Our scripture reading returned to 1 Samuel chapter 23. read this chapter considering the truth concerning the providence of God that God upholds and governs heaven and earth and all creatures and how we are comforted knowing that we also this morning look at this from the viewpoint too of how God uh, tries our faith and 1 Peter 1 speaks of that. It says that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We read this chapter uh, in the, about the, the life of David and the persecution that he experienced from that point of view of the trial of our faith and of the fact that God is the one governing and directing all things for our profit. We start at verse 1, 1 Samuel 23. David at this time is being persecuted and pursued by Saul. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines, and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. They were being pursued by Saul. And David's men said, We're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the army of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. So Saul concludes. He concludes in this situation that God had delivered David into his hand. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. 
And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod, which was used to inquire of the Lord. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood in the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet and know and see his place where his haunt is, and who hath seen him there, for it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with the certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men went to seek him. And they told David, Wherefore he come down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Maon, and when Saul heard that he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon, and Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain, and David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and 
went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place Selah Hamalakot. And David went up from thence and dwelt in the strongholds of Engedi. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. In this passage that we just read, as well as all the rest of the scriptures are the basis for the teaching of a Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 10. Lord's Day 10. There we read, What dost thou mean by the providence of God? The almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What advantage is it to know that God has created and by his providence doth still uphold all things? That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father, that nothing shall separate us from his love, since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. Dearly beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that the doctrine that is taught in this Lord's Day, in which we believe, uh, affords us unspeakable consolation, comfort. Since we're taught that nothing can befall us by chance, but by the direction of our most gracious and heavenly Father. That's the wording in the Belgic Confession, Article 13. Nothing can befall us by chance, but by the direction, the direction of our God, of our most gracious and heavenly Father who watches over us with a paternal care, keeping all creatures so under his power that not a hair of our head nor a sparrow can fall to the ground without the will of our Father, that he so restrains the devil and all of our enemies that without his will and permission they cannot hurt us. That's the wording in the Belgian Confession, similar to the wording here in the Heidelberg Catechism. The comfort of understanding, of believing. 
this doctrine. And we live in the consciousness of this truth. We not only confess the truth concerning the providence of God, which many do not confess, that God upholds and governs all things, that nothing happens by chance, nothing happens without his appointment. There's not that many that confess that, that God has determined everything that takes place in time. We confess that really is true. And we live in that consciousness, in the events that take place in our life. We constantly, in our mind, are reminded this took place in the providence of God. And we speak that way to one another frequently. And in our own personal life, when something happens in our life that is difficult for us, The Spirit works in us and reminds us that this was in the providence of God. The providence of our God who loves us. The God who averts evil or turns it to our profit. The God who teaches us to trust in Him. To trust not in men. David was in Keilah. Here he had delivered, he had fought uh, the Philistines when they came against Keilah. And then God says, the people of Keilah are going to deliver you up. Saul's going to come down and the people of Keilah are going to give you up. And here you fought moments ago. The Philistines to deliver Keilah. And now the people of Keilah, they're going to deliver you up. And then... We read of these others that are speaking to Saul, and they're going to tell Saul where David is. That there were Israelites coming against him. The king himself was coming against him, seeking him every day. And he was even being informed at various times where David was. All in the providence of God. Did this happen? And even got to the point once where they're both on either side of a mountain. They're getting so close now that Saul's on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And then a messenger comes and brings the news to Saul that the Philistines have invaded the land and he ceases pursuing after David. All in the providence of God. The God who upholds and governs all things. This passage and all of scripture teach us and remind us of the fact that our God is sovereignly in control. So we consider this morning this doctrine, the truth concerning the direction of our gracious Father Nothing happens by chance, but by his direction. We look at it also from the viewpoint of his care of us. So that we not only look at it, how he governs all of his creatures, but then specifically about his care of us, his people. And then lastly, from the viewpoint of our confession of this truth and how God tries our faith 
He teaches us to place our trust solely in him. By the direction of our gracious Father, his hand, his care, and our confession. First of all, with regard to the doctrine, the plan here this morning is to consider certain aspects of this doctrine, some distinctions with regard to this doctrine, and then looking at it more from a practical point of view as we see it set forth here in this, in this passage. Concerning the doctrine of providence, it's important to make a distinction between God's counsel, the two terms, God's counsel and his providence. And they are referred to in the previous Lord's Day. God upholds and governs the same by his eternal counsel and providence. In the previous Lord's Day, we read of that. We talk about God's counsel. We talk about how God has determined everything that was going to, that everything that will happen in time. That's what is referred to as his counsel. God, in eternity, God eternally has determined everything that's going to happen in time, he has determined. Providence refers to the power of God by which he upholds and governs all things according to his will. So we think of his will as his sovereign good pleasure and how he's determined everything that will happen. That's his counsel. And then his providence is his governing everything that happens according to his will so that all takes place as he determined. Everything takes place precisely as God determined that it would. That's the idea of the providence of God. He governs, he upholds and governs all things. He upholds and governs all things by Jesus Christ. When we speak of Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, we say that that means that God governs and directs everything by Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God. He upholds all. We read in Hebrews 1, verse 3, He upholds all by the word of His power. And the, the, what many speak of as the laws of nature. Some people say, well, in the past, people thought of God being the one who was directing things, but now with modern science, we understand and have discovered various laws of nature. And so there's no need for a God to invent this idea of a God who's directing all things. Now we understand about the laws of nature. Well, Scripture says God is the one who set the ordinances. The one who created the heavens and the earth and all things, he is the one who has set the ordinances. And we know that he is the one that is governing all things, though we can't see the invisible God. We know, we have no doubt, Scripture tells us, our Lord has told us, that he is the one who is governing all things. That the Creator did not give up his creatures to fortune or chance. He didn't forsake them. 
and he didn't give them up to fortune or chance. All things come by his hand. Herbs and grass, rain and drought. Not only the rain comes by his hand, but also drought. Some years we have so much rain, and sometimes there's damage to the crop. And sometimes we have such a drought We look to God for the rain. Indeed, we always look to God for the rain. We look to him for what we need, for body and soul. We confess that not only the rain, but also the drought, not only the fruitful years, but also the barren years, not only health, but also sickness comes by his fatherly hand. So not only when health comes, but also when sickness comes. We say sickness comes by his fatherly hand. All things. Not only riches, but also poverty. So when riches come, we say they came by God's fatherly hand. Instead of exalting ourselves in time of prosperity, we say these riches have come by God's fatherly hand. And also in time of poverty, in time when we have less, we say this also comes by God's fatherly hand. God governs all things. He governs things according to his will. Man's heart devises his way. We read in the Proverbs that man devises his way. He makes plans. But the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 16, verse 9. God, the sovereign God, does his pleasure. There are many that do not teach that, that God always does his pleasure. They might say that he could do his pleasure, but that not that he actually does all his pleasure, but the scriptures speak that he does all his pleasure. That's true with regard to salvation. That's true with regard to everything that takes place in time. It's true with regard to salvation that he saves every person that he has unconditionally chosen. Talking about God's counsel, he unconditionally chose certain people. And then he saves every single one of those whom he unconditionally chose. Every person that he intends to save, he does all his pleasure. We're familiar that Isaiah 46, verse 10 specifically says that. My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. 
He will do it. He stresses that I will do all my pleasure. My counsel shall stand. And in Psalm 115, verse 3, we sing that. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Whatsoever he hath pleased, he hath done. Everyone that he is pleased to save, he saves. Every event takes place as he is determined. Nothing happens without his appointment. Do you believe that? We confess, yes, we do. We really do believe that. That's really true. That's what Scripture says. Of course, the question that immediately comes up and that our creeds do deal with, and the Belgic Confession, for example, brings this up right away, is that when, as soon as we explain this, say to somebody that was unfamiliar with this doctrine, then they'd wonder, well, what about the sin of men and demons? What about all the wickedness that's going on? You say everything's happening as God has determined? What about Saul coming after David? You, you mean that was determined by God? Yes, it was. It was very evil what he was doing. It was wicked what he was doing. What he did was a grievous sin against God, yet it was also the case that God, who governs all things, this was taking place as God had determined. Scripture speaks that quite strongly. We say in the Belgic Confession that God orders and executes his work even when devils, we make a reference to the demon, even when devils and wicked men sin, act unjustly, God orders and executes his work even then. Great example of an event that we frequently talk about is the cross. Wicked, that men wickedly crucified Christ, the Son of God, God and man, the divine and human mediator, that men hated him and called for him to be crucified. The wickedness of man set forth in that event, the depravity of man. And yet that was something that God had determined. The fact that God had determined it didn't mean that the act itself was not extremely wicked. We read in Acts chapter 4 that God's people prayed. When praying to God, they said, Of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand, they make a reference to God's hand, 
For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. It was determined by God. Whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine. That didn't mean it wasn't wicked. In Ephesians, that was Acts 4, verse 28. And then Acts 2, verse 23, we read that it was said to the Jews that had crucified Christ, him being delivered by the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So it speaks of God's determinate counsel and foreknowledge. Determinate. But it also says, ye have taken him by wicked hands, have crucified and slain him. The false teachings that are so characteristic of our own day. Well, we know one of the... Signs of Christ's coming is the apostasy. And we know that God sends strong delusion that those who do not love the truth might believe a lie. Sends? Someone might say if they heard us say that, they would say, he sends it? He sends the delusion? And we say, well, that's what, that's what Scripture says. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That's 2 Thessalonians 2.11. He sends them. And we've looked before at 1 Kings 22 that speaks of God putting a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's false prophet. That's a good place to illustrate the idea that God is not the author of sin, when we teach this, we stress God is not the author of sin. He put a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's prophets. The lying, God was not the one lying. The evil spirit was the one lying. He was the lying spirit. But God put the lying spirit in the mouth of those prophets. 1 Kings 22. We come to God knowing. We, we trust in our God knowing. We believe that when we're pursued, when we're persecuted as David was, that this happens in the providence of God who governs and directs all things and who cares for us. When we talk about the sin of man, we look at the very history and the sin of Saul. What Saul was doing was wicked. God, sovereign God, governs and directs all things for the good of his people. And we see how that's connected with the trial of our faith. He put David in a situation, and he's teaching David, trust in God. Fear not. Trust in God. You have an exhortation, trust in the Lord. And then you're put in a situation where you have enemies coming after you. 
and you are to remember to believe God's promise and trust in him. Fear not. God cares for you. He's teaching you. He purifies our faith. We don't have perfect faith. We do believe. We don't have perfect faith. We live in the consciousness of the fact that the trials you and I go through, you and I go through today, God uses for our profit. He purifies our faith. He teaches us to place our trust solely in God. So he not only tells us, trust only in God, rely solely upon him. He not only tells us, sing that, and we sing those words, but then in God's providence, we're in situations where there are temptations, where there is persecution, and we are taught trust in God alone. Not in men, not in ourselves, or any other creature, but in God alone. God watches over us with a paternal care. We're trusting in the one who is our father, his fatherly care. He's watching over us. He's shown us his love in sending his son who laid down his life for us that we might be redeemed, that we might have everlasting life with him. We know he loves us. He provides us with all that we need. He gives the unbelievers food and wealth too. Not with the word of not with his blessing, though. He doesn't bless their food. Nor do they request from the heart that God bless their food. They partake of food and wealth. They may have an abundance, but without the blessing of without the blessing of God. God cares for us, providing us what we need for the body and blesses our food. We ask God to bless our food. He blesses our food. He provides us with what we need, just like Israel in the wilderness, providing them with food and drink and clothing and light and all that they needed. He provides for them. A number of times we read in Scripture of how God cares for the animals and then cares for his people. Last time when we talked about creation, we talked about how when you look at the Scriptures about creation, it speaks of God as the creator of his people. We are his creatures. We are his sheep. It speaks of the new creation. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. Well, now when we switch to the subject of God's providence, Scripture frequently speaks of his care of the animals and his people. Where some might go from his care of the animals to say that he gives his blessing to all human beings, which isn't true. Scriptures turn us from the subject of his care for the animals to his care for his people, like seen at the flood, 
that the animals and Noah and those with him in the ark. So in the Psalms, we frequently, you know, we, in, in Psalms is a place where we read of this. Speaking of the eyes of all wait upon thee, thou givest them their meat in due season, we sing in the Psalms. He's the one that gives the creatures their meat in due season. That's 140, Psalm 145, verse 15. And then a few verses later, it speaks of his care for his people. The Lord preserves all them that love him. But all the wicked will he destroy. He preserves all them that love him. And of course, it's by the grace of God who works in us to will and to do that we love him. He preserves all them that love him, but all the wicked will he de destroy. He cares for us. If we have a financial struggle, if we get sick, we know this is in the providence of God. We see the, what happens to us, too. Sometimes we can get quite down when we get sick. Or sometimes we can get quite down when we get injured. If it's somebody else that's injured, we may hear, you know, it's going to be two months before they're going to be back to full strength, or maybe three months. Somebody else, you know, to that doesn't seem like that long of a time. Then when it hits us, that can seem like a long time. And we can get down and we can get discouraged that the healing seems to go so slowly. Or we can get sick and be sick for a number of days and wonder if we're ever going to feel well again. Or we can feel so miserable and we can get quite down. And then we're reminded of the fact that sickness and injuries, all these things happen in the providence of God turn to our prophet. We're directed to the word. Or when a loved one dies. We know this is also in the providence of God. Whether that one is elderly, whether that one is young, whether that one is in the womb, or whether that one is elderly, we know this is also in the providence of God. Not a hair of our head nor a sparrow can fall without the will of our Father. And with regard to our enemies, God restrains them. And without his will and permission, they can't hurt us. We confess that. We confess that we have many enemies. And when we talk about our enemies, we're not just talking about human beings. We considered not long ago that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. It isn't a physical battle, it's a, a spiritual battle. And that we're battling against demons, as well as this wicked world, as well as our own depraved natures. 
And we know in this battle that God is caring for us. It says that Saul sought David every single day. That's what it says in verse 14. Saul sought him every day. Every day he was coming after him. And that was, the, you know, God was governing and directing all things. That every day he was, and, and every day he was coming after him. But God delivered him not into his hand. He didn't. And there was a time when there was, they were on either side of that mountain. As you read the history and as they're pursuing him and as David is moving from one place to another, and then there are people that are telling Saul where he is. Well, we've seen him. We know where he is, and they're bringing messages to Saul. And Saul's coming after him and gets quite close to him. Well, that was in the providence of God. And then a messenger comes. Right at that moment. How striking that is, that it specifically says that they're on one side of the mountain and David and his men on one side, Saul on the other side. And it says, David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. And then there comes that messenger. Hasty come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. And one would not say, what a stroke of luck right at that time. Right when they were right coming against us. Oh, what a stroke of luck it was. We don't speak that way. This was the providence of God. The fact that he would come that close was in the providence of God. And that's where we bring up that idea of the trial of our faith. That it was God's plan that they would come right close to him like that. And that they would be, they would be trying to get away for fear of Saul. And then that would happen. And that it would be recorded in scripture. And that we would read it. And see how there's application to your and my own life of the trials that we, that we go through. And that as we read of God's care for David, we read of the sufferings of David, and we know when we read of the sufferings of David, we're directed to the to consider the sufferings of Christ and how Christ was persecuted and Christ told us that those who are in Christ will suffer persecution. That we will. And that God will try our faith. He works in us faith and he tries it. And you think of gold purified and fire 
and that that's an illustration. The purifying of gold illustrates to us God's work of purifying our, our faith. Saul is in darkness. Saul, in a, the foolish Saul, makes statements like, God delivered him into my hand. Or he speaks and says, you have compassion on me, as if he's the one being persecuted and others are having compassion on him. Saul's in darkness, and in his hatred for God and his people, he's pursuing Saul. And that soon God would kill him. And we know where Saul went when he died. In contrast, we have what happened in the life of David. And we know where David is now. David wrote, before he died, he wrote many songs in God's providence. It was also the case that he went through a trial like this. And in the trials he went through, God also prepared David to write psalms that you and I sing. Psalms like Psalm 124. The end of that psalm is what we say in our worship services. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's the last verse of Psalm 124. You know what's right in front of that verse? Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help, and there it is. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We are escaped. Similar to what we just read in 1 Samuel 23. It's good for us to remember the context of that when we say those words, when we hear those words in the worship service. Our Lord who loves us is the one who is trying our faith. He tells us nothing can separate us from his love, and then we're in trials where we're afraid. And we're reminded nothing can separate us from his love. Don't deviate from what God tells you to do. Trust in the Lord. Submit to him. Heed what he tells you. Recognize that God is the one governing what you know is true. 
that he's governing and directing all things to teach us. He turns it to our profit. We confess that, and then we're in the trial where these words keep coming back to our mind. And we know that God is purifying our faith. And we hear, do not doubt. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Go to God. Trust in the Lord. In this history, we read of how David inquired of the Lord. The fact that God has determined all things that it's going to take place doesn't mean that we do not pray. He calls us to pray, to trust in him, and to look to him for guidance, as we see that David did in the trial he was in, looking to God for guidance. We're to pour out our heart to our God. And then we are to look to his word, and as we read his word, as we hear his word, we do so in the consciousness that Christ is speaking to us in our situation today. And we read the scriptures in that consciousness, that as we read them, as we're studying a chapter, we're conscious of the fact that that, that passage we're reading right now, that passage we're hearing right now, or a brother comes to us and talks to us about something, and in God's providence, he brings that up or she brings that up right now. Or somebody comes and brings a comforting word and we say in the providence of God that person came as Jonathan came to David. Not only was it in the providence of God that Saul was coming after him, but it was in the providence of God that Jonathan came. And he said to him, Fear not to hear those words from a dear friend. Fear not. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. Thou shalt be king over Israel. That's what God promised. That's what God said to David. And now in the providence of God, Jonathan comes and speaks to him of that. And we read that Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. That phrase, he strengthened his hand in God. What a wonderful blessing to have friends like that. And then it was in the providence of God that Jonathan soon went to glory. That was God's plan too. And then there was sorrow. That Jonathan died when he did, but that was the plan of God. But before he did die, 
Jonathan brought this word to David. And he was encouraged by that word. The providence of God. What a comforting doctrine. It's, what advantage is it to you to know this? It is an advantage. What advantage is it to us to know this? And we say that we may be patient in adversity. Thankful in prosperity. And that in all things which may hereafter befall us, whatever it may be, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father that nothing shall separate us from his love since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. What advantage is it to you, to us, to know this? This is what we confess. What a comfort unspeakable consolation what a comfort we have as we go through this life knowing that our Lord is with us and guiding us and the goal is the glory of our God that we might glorify and praise our God may we exalt his name may we place our trust in him May we thank him, may we praise him, may we go to him in all our trials, and may we walk closely with him and bear witness to the truth and bring encouraging words to one another. May we together praise and exalt the name of our God, our Father, our Savior, our friend. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, and our Father, we are thankful, O Lord, for thy grace. We're so thankful for the mercy thou dost show us. We know thou dost govern and direct all things, and that thou wilt preserve thy people. Lord, strengthen us. Grant us the strength we need in the trials we face today and the comfort that we need, and the difficulties we're going through. Grant us peace, O Lord. And Lord, use us also to bring encouraging words to one another in time of need. And that we may say to one another, Fear not, trust in the Lord, that he is with us. We know thou art with us. We're so thankful, O Lord, for the communion of the saints, Grant us grace together to praise thee in these last days to exalt thy name. Thou art faithful and true. Thou art worthy of our praise and adoration. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.